Shalom and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Gad Dishi. We're in the middle of Parashat Toledot, Perech Chavav. Uh, we're in the middle of the unit dealing with how Yitzchak is successful and the Pelishtim get jealous of his great success. We're in Perech Chavav, Pasuk Tedvav. V'chol ha-be'erot asher chafru avdei aviv v'me'abraham aviv sitemum Pelishtim v'yimalum afar. And all of the wells that were dug by the servants of his father in the days of Abraham, his father, the Pelishtim stopped up and filled them with dirt. And here we have a recurring echo of Abraham, of Aviv, uh, twice referring to Abraham as Yitzchak's father, uh, always in the backdrop, the, again, the overpowering shadow of Abraham as Yitzchak forges his own path in regards to the wells. Uh, we'll continue and then we'll return to the theme of the wells and what is going on in these psukim. Pasuk Tetzayin, Vayomer Abimelech el Yitzchak, Lech me'imanu ki atzamta mimenu me'od. And Abimelech told Yitzchak, uh, Leave us uh, because you have grown uh, great from us. On this pasuk, Alter translates, Go away from us, for you have grown too powerful for us. Vayelech misham Yitzchak, and Yitzchak uh, left and he encamped in Nachal Grar, the Wadi of Grar, uh, Wadi being a place where there is water during the flash floods of the rainy season uh, and other times is habitable, in which case we know that more or less the season was not the winter rainy season uh, when Yitzchak moved to Nachal Grar, and he encamped there, he began to live there. Uh, this section is dealing with how the Pelishtim react to their jealousy, with their jealousy against Yitzchak. We ostensibly see a causal connection between the closing up of the wells that Avraham had dug with the jealousy of the Pelishtim. In other words, they were jealous of Yitzchak and therefore they wanted to minimize all of his holdings and they started with the wells that apparently were abandoned but were built, dug originally by Avraham's servants back in the day of Avraham. Uh, again, this longing for uh, the days of Avraham. Again, the, the beginning of the parak also had the words, Bimei Avraham, Vahira'av Ba'aretz, Milvad Ha'av Arishon Asheriyah, Bimei Avraham. So again, this lure for yesteryear of when Avraham was around. But this is a reaction to their jealousy. Uh, Rashi, on the other hand, tells us that the reason why the Pelishtim stopped up all of the wells was meaning they were afraid that should an enemy come to encamp and try to conquer their land, uh, they would find ample water supply from all of these outstanding wells at the outskirts of town, and uh, they needed to avoid this being the case, so they stopped up the wells so that the enemies would not be able to make use of them. Interestingly, the where it would normally have been that for all of people, Rashi would come up with an explanation that would temper the uh, jealousy and color the Pelishtim in a more positive light. It's surprising uh, to see that that was his explanation. Uh, but again, as we've seen throughout, and as we'll continue to see, the Mefrashim have related these episodes as Ma'ase Avot Siman Banim. This is going to be recurring themes that go throughout Jewish history on different approaches on how to explain anti-Semitism, how to deal with Goyim, how to deal with the Gentile world, and what is it that the Jews do or don't do that contribute uh, to this type of uh, reaction. The Chizkuni and the Rashbam explained that the reason why they stopped up the wells was so that Yitzchak should not gain a foothold in the land, 
not necessarily jealousy for the amount of wealth that he had, but on a national level, politically, that he shouldn't be able to slowly take over uh, the country. Uh, and so similarly, the, the Radak explained that they were afraid that one day Yitzchak will come back and overpower them. And so therefore, even though they themselves were not making use of this resource, uh, they wanted to avoid Yitzchak being able to make use of it even in the future. Abimelech tells Yitzchak to go away because you have grown too powerful from us. It could be a comparative meaning of Mimenu, that you are too great in comparison to us. Or it could just mean that you became great from us, meaning that you took all of our resources, our land, you made yourself great by making use of us. Um, and therefore we want you to leave because we want our own natural resources of the land for ourselves. Uh, we want to make use of that very productive field that Yitzchak has that yields a hundred times what it was supposed to. Uh, they'd like to get their hands back on that, and so it's time for Yitzchak to move on. Uh, is this indeed part of plot of anti-Semitism? Uh, when they say Lech Imanu, is it harsh? Are they kicking him out, or are they? Uh, is it some type of a gentle uh, request that he leave? Uh, because things are getting a little bit too tumultuous. Chadal uh, explains that really Lech Imanu is not as harsh as we might naturally read it. It's really just because Abimelech felt that he no longer could protect Yitzchak with that royal protection order of Hanogea Ba'ishazeu Bishtomot Yumat. And this is supported from the structure of these Psukim. As we have Pasuk Yudale talking about how much wonderful wealth Yitzchak has. And then we move over to this segue of the uh, wells that really is not necessary at this point uh, and then the request of Abimelech for them to leave uh, and then we're about to read the next psukim that go back to the wells so this pasuk of Tetvav that talks about the wells being stopped up seems to be out of place unless we adopt the Shadal's understanding where uh, the stopping up of these wells indicated to Abimelech that he no longer had control over the locals who were going about stopping up the wells and then he realized he wouldn't be able to protect Yitzchak as he first envisioned, thereby leading him to tell Yitzchak that he should leave because he has become, become too powerful uh, for them. Uh, Yitzchak leaves in Pasuk Yud Zayin, and he goes to Nachal Grar. Uh, again, it seems to be that he stays within the jurisdiction of Grar. He's still in Abimelech's uh, territory. Uh, this might be explained because it's convenient. Uh, it might be that the Nachal is a place which is uh, fertile. It could be that... Uh, Yitzchak remembers the divine decree that God told him, "Gur ba'aret hazot I'm going to be. You should live in this land. You should live in the place that I tell you. And now God did not yet appear to him, telling him to go anywhere else. So he needed to stay in Grar. So he moved as far as he could move. Uh, he went to the wadi uh, to accommodate both Avimelech's request and the uh, consideration, and also to keep up. The word of God. As an interesting point, the language that Avimelech uses in order to tell Yitzchak to leave is Lech ki atzamta me'od. We have a uh, echo of this language later on with Paro, when he also recognizes the power of the Jewish people. Again, uh, the idea when the Jews get too powerful, whether or not the Jew, non-Jewish world uh, takes kindly or not kindly to that threat. Uh, is again reflected here in the text of Abimelech, which might seem to cut against the Shadal's uh, kind reading of what it is that Abimelech is seeking to achieve. The uh, Psukim continuing in regards to the wells, 
give us Pasuk Yud Chet, which basically gives us the information we already had with a little bit of an addition. Vayashov Yitzchak, Vayachporet Be'erot HaMayim, Asher Chaferu Bime Avraham Aviv, Vayisatemum Pelishtim, Ahare Mot Avraham. Vayikra Lahen Shemot, Kashemot Asher Kara Lahen Aviv. And Yitzchak returned and dug up the wells of water that his father's uh, that, that had been dug during the days of his father Avraham, and which the Pelishtim stopped up after the death of Avraham, and he called them names and the same names that his father had called them. And so in this pasuk we get the information that we had in pasuk Tedvav, but the additional piece of information and it's going to be an important one is Baistatimun Pelishtim Achare Mot Avraham. They closed up these wells after Avraham died. Now, if we do a little bit of math, we'll be able to uh, find some interesting uh, uh, nuances that the Torah is giving us here. Uh, we know that Avraham had Yitzchak when he was 100, and we know that he died at 175, meaning that Yitzchak is 75 years old when Avraham passes. And the scheme also tell us that he had uh, Yaakov and Esav at the age of 60, meaning that if we had any doubts about whether or not Esav and Yaakov were around when they first started their sojourn to Gerar, at this point it's clear uh, that they have to be at least uh, 15 years old uh, when this movement about the, uh, the Be'erot are happening with the wells, uh, because again, Yitzhak was at least 75. Uh, it's possible that the text is hinting to us here about the reason why there was a complete shift in relations in Gerar, uh, despite the uh, jealousy which must have taken some time watching him getting all the crops and building up his wealth base. Uh, it could be that it was Avraham's death that occurred now, uh, in which case the people who used to remember the Avraham who was victorious in the battle of the four versus the five kings and Avraham being able to uh, muster up his allies of 318 uh, soldiers and go to war and be victorious, uh, while that image was in the backdrop, uh, they all feared going against Yitzchak. However, now that Abraham was dead, uh, there was no fear of Yitzchak himself, and despite Yitzchak's ability to amass wealth and uh, be able to have power, he wasn't able to translate that into political power. Uh, tragically, it might re- remind us of the episodes of the Abarbanel, where he, despite his being able to climb the ranks of the uh, aristocracy and be the finance minister in the Spanish government. He was unable to uh, annul the decree of the expulsion of 1492, despite his pleadings to King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella, uh, as he himself writes up in the introduction to Sefer Dvarim. A very interesting read for everyone to take a look at. Uh, But this idea of being able to also take your financial wealth and turn it into political power is a trait that uh, is not taken for granted. Uh, in this situation, Yitzchak is uh, moving uh, and building, uh, redigging wells of Avraham uh, that were built and dug in the time of Avraham. He calls them the same names as his father called them. Uh, the Abarbanel points out that this is basically um, in their faces of the Pelishtim. Uh, they're looking to uh, quash any memory of Avraham, and here comes Yitzchak, redigs the wells, and reinstates the same names, and saying, we are here to stay, these are ours, this is what we did, you're not going to erase the memory of my father, and in this case, we can see that Yitzchak really uh, steps up to the plate, uh, now that Avraham has passed, he is uh, ready to 
yes, accepts upon himself that he's going to continue the path of Abraham. He's yes, going to try to keep the uh, pass on the torch and keep alive the Brit uh, that Hashem had made with him. And uh, this is represented by his going to bat for the wells and being able to rename them the same names as Abraham. Uh, at the same time, this is not uh, merely being passive and uh, uh, doing only what his father had done. It was indeed very active and daring for him to actually go ahead and redig the wells to begin with, and then to further name them with the same names uh, is yet again, as the Abarbanel says, a very brazen, bold move on the part of Yitzchak. And the servants of Yitzchak uh, dug in the wadi, and they found a be'er ma'im chayim, meaning they found a, a, a spring of water, uh, which was not from the uh, riverbed. Uh, and this is, seems to be what the point of contention will, will be in the next pasuk. And they, the shepherds of Grar had a fight with the shepherds of Yitzchak saying, the water belongs to us. And they were basically saying, you know, you, you just dug in the wadi, you're right next to the riverbed. Obviously, the water that you got to was some other type of uh, tributary, or you've managed to access the waters of the river, and that river water belongs to us. Again, the Yitzchak were claiming not, not so. This is a uh, spring of water that has nothing to do with the river. It happens to be nearby. And they called this well, Esek, meaning contention or dealings, because they had contentious uh, hearings here, or they had a uh, claim with each other uh, upon this water. Uh, interestingly enough, both in this situation and the coming up situations where there's a fight over a well, there's, the text tells us that there's a fight. Uh, there's no indication of how this fight is resolved. Uh, we'll deal with that in another moment. And they dug another well, and they fought over that as well. They called it sitna. Sitna either can mean hatred, or it can mean accusation. I think accusation is a little bit more uh, more precise uh, translation. Uh, we also have the verse sitna in Sefer Ezra in regards to the ktav that was against the Yoshev Yehuda Yerushalayim at the time of Ahasuerus. Um, and we also know that Satan, in general, is used as the word that we have for a prosecutor, for someone who is uh, in the heavenly courts always looking out to mention our bad points. And similarly here, there's a uh, accusational about what it is that who, whose well it belongs to. And Yitzchak pulled up his stakes from there and he dug another well and they did not fight over that well. And they called that well Rechovot, uh, in terms of the language of Rachav, of wide, meaning wide open spaces, uh, no sense of uh, distress. And he said, for now, God has widened it for us, and we will now be fruitful in the land. Uh, God has given us space that we may be fruitful in the land, is the translation we have uh, from Alter. The idea that we have of Yitzchak pulling up his stakes seems to indicate that he needed to move yet again. Still seems to be that he's within the jurisdiction of Gerar, because only later, the next pasuk, we have Ayal Misham Be'er Shava, and he moved from there to Be'er Sheva. Uh, but uh, before that, he seemed to have moved and stayed within the confines of Gerar. Uh, when he builds this other well, and this language of Ufarinu Ba'aretz being fruitful, 
it gives the sense that finally the land is going to be able to have irrigation, we're going to be able to uh, continue use of this water for agricultural purposes, um, similar to what Yitzchak succeeded in doing while he was in Gerar proper. The idea of his moving was used by one of the Mefrashim to indicate that it seems to be that the other wells he had to abandon because of the uh, fights that ensued over whose ownership it belonged to. Uh, other Mefrashim see it that they, indeed Yitzchak was successful. Siv points out that the wells were stolen by pure fabrication and because of that he, was, he had lost the wells. Uh, the Radak uh, seems to say that indeed the reason why Yitzchak lost the wells was because all of the wells were in the jurisdiction of Gerar and therefore it belonged in the uh, royal property of uh, natural assets, natural resources belong to the government and so it belongs to the Gerar. However, Tava Kabbalah from Rav Mecklenburg, uh, he says that the calling out of names shows that it was really Yitzchak who claimed authority over them and he kept his right to them. Uh, even if it, the name itself implies that there was a fight, uh, it shows that Yitzchak was the one who had the uh, authorization and the ownership uh, rights to have the naming uh, be done. Um, however, the Shadal says that really uh, he has a middle compromise position, that indeed there was a compromise uh, that was reached between Yitzchak and Grar uh, in regards to who would have which wells and uh, how much of them. Uh, but this was not something that was recorded back in the text, the Abarbanel, similar to what we read in regards to them, the naming of the older wells of Abraham, uh, states that indeed Yitzchak won the fights for these wells, and again the idea of naming them comes in as a sign of ownership, uh, as opposed to uh, some of the more modern commentators, whether uh, Alter or Cass, in regards to whether or not uh, Yitzchak seems to have been a uh, passive character who's uh, avoiding confrontation, uh, it seems to be that uh, there is a split uh, in the classical commentators in regards to what it is that's motivating Yitzchak. Uh, I think that the uh, psukim seem to be weighing heavily in favor of the Abarbanel, uh, especially in regards to the uh, psukim mentioning in Pasuk Yudchet that it was after the death of Avraham, and therefore we have a, a hint from the text that things have shifted and that uh, Yitzchak's uh, taking up of the uh, mantle is something that is significant in regards to going forward. Pasuk Chavdala Diyar Misham Be'er Shava At the time there was already a Be'er Sheva, the one that was named by Avraham in his dealings with Avimelech. Uh, we'll get to that when we get to Yitzchak's naming of the place again as Be'er Sheva. Pasuk Chavdalad Vayera Elav Adonai Balay Lahahu Vayomer Anochi Elohe Avraham Avicha Al Tira Ki Ittecha Anochi Uberachticha says, And God appeared to him at that night when he got to Be'er Sheva, and he said, I am the Lord of Abraham, your father. Again, this mantra of Abraham, his father. Do not fear, for I am with you, and I will bless you, and I will increase your offspring uh, for the sake of Abraham, my servant. So again, we have this reinforcement of God's explaining to Yitzchak that indeed, Avraham was his servant, and he was obedient. And uh, because of him, he's going to bless Yitzchak. However, it's not the same type of bracha that we had in the beginning. In the beginning, we had Yitzchak trying to emulate Avraham, ostensibly while Avraham was even still alive, and he was able to uh, try to follow in the footsteps of Avraham. He was trying to forge his identity. And at this point, Avraham has already passed, 
And now we have a, a new Yitzchak who is uh, making his decision in regards to, yes, following through on Avraham's path and reinforcing the Brit, and now building up beyond that, the same way that he not only dug up his father's wells, but he dug new wells for himself. Not only did he have Sonu Bakar, but he also was um, planting in agricultural and having success in conquering the land in, in that way. Blessing that uh, Hashem is giving Yitzchak of increasing his offspring uh, needs to be taken in a general sense because we don't know of any other offspring of Yitzchak beyond uh, Yaakov and Esav, who, as we pointed out, are definitely already alive at this point. And he tells him not to be afraid. The Mefrashim are wondering why, why is it that Yitzchak might be afraid that God needs to tell him not to be afraid. We have this similarly later by Yaakov, but let's focus on where we are right now with Yitzchak. Uh, the Sforno says that perhaps Yitzchak was afraid that moving again to Be'er Sheva uh, would make him poorer. He would lost his fields. He wouldn't be able to, uh, again, uh, be able to access his fields because he moved to a different jurisdiction now. And uh, perhaps now that he got kicked out and he was embarrassed that he won't be able to be as successful as he was before, God tells him, rest assured, I am with you. I'm the reason for your greatness and that uh, God will, I will look out for you. And this is a great message for uh, life in general, when things take a turn for the worse, God is there. God will help start over again. The Abarbanel says he's afraid because he is antagonizing the Pelishtim. And so this may lead to trouble. Again, the Abarbanel following through with his read throughout the uh, episode. And uh, Hashem tells him not to worry. Uh, in this place, Be'er Sheva, uh, this is the place where uh, Hashem told Abraham to take Yitzchak to the Akedah. Uh, which not in Hebron. This is the Abarbanel continuing on, and this is the place where they went back to. This is the spot where Hashem appeared to him, uh, and the mizbeach that the Yitzchak is going to be uh, erecting in the next uh, pasuk is going to be a remembrance of the Akedah. Uh, and this is the Abarbanel's read of the entire episode with the significance of Be'er Sheva highlighted by the uh, idea of not to be afraid. That if there was a reason to be afraid. Uh, Hashem is going to be with him. And he built an altar there and he called down in the name of God, just like Abraham had built many Mizbechot and called down in the name of God. Again, Yitzchak, continuing the path of Abraham, and he pitched his tent. And the servants of Yitzchak uh, dug there a well. Now we don't know whether or not they finished digging the well, or they started digging a well. Uh, we'll see later that they come back and inform Yitzhak that they were successful in their attempts to find uh, to dig a well. And so it seems to be that this is just the beginning of the digging. And then the episode that we're about to enter now of Avimelech uh, seems to go on concurrently while Yitzhak's servants are digging up the well. Again, this is the Mizbeach that uh, Barbanel says is a remembrance for the Akedah. There's no mention of a Yalolot, a Zvachim. There's no mention of any animal sacrifice. I think Barbanel points out that the Mizbechot that Yitzchak puts together never have any animal sacrifices on them. Uh, his sacrifices, uh, his altars all stay empty. Uh, he just builds them and he calls down in the name of God. And he does that because of his traumatic episode with the Akedah. V'avimelech halach elav megirar. V'achuzat mere'ehu ufichol sarsevo. And Avimelech went towards Yitzchak from Gerar. Va'achuzat mer'ehu. These words uh, have caused a little bit of a difficulty amongst the Mefrashim. 
It could either mean achuzat mereu, meaning a handful of his friends, achuza meaning like achiza, he grabbed a few people from his friends, mereu, uh, or it could be achuzat was the fellow's name, mereu being a proper noun, meaning it's a title. Someone had uh, the title of being the friend of. Uh, we see this later also, or the best man of. Similarly, we have that by Shimshon in the uh, Plishtim and Sefer Shoftim. So the title does exist. Re'ehu ha'adulami, we're going to have in Perek Lamedhet with regards to Yehuda. So we have the idea of someone having the title of friend or best man. Uh, so he came together with Avimelech, Ufichol Sarsevaol. He came together with Fichol, the general. And again, we have Avimelech and Fichol coming for a treaty with Avraham earlier, and this is again this is part of what people like to point to as the uh, reiterative process that Yitzchak takes up uh, in the shoes of Avraham. And Yitzchak tells to them, why did you come to me? You hated me, and you sent me away from you. And they said, For we have certainly seen that God is with you. And we said, Let there be an oath, treaty, uh, between us, and we shall enact a pact with you, a treaty with you. If you will do to us any evil, as we have not touched you, and we have done only good with you, and we sent you in peace. This phrase is a little bit difficult. You now are blessed of God. So we have in the time of when the Eved Abraham comes to uh, Lavan, uh, they tell him, They say, the one who is blessed from God, come. And so here it seems they've identified Yitzchak in the same manner of a Beruch Hashem, you are one who is blessed by God. Um, the phrase, you now are blessed of God, uh, has a number of different uh, possibilities amongst the Mefrashim. Rashi says that you too should do to us as we did to you and allow us to leave here in peace and and enact this treaty with us. Uh, it seems to be that there was some fear factor amongst Avimelech and Fichol and the little entourage there that they might actually be in harm's way uh, coming out of Gerar, going to Yitzchak in Be'er Sheva. Uh, they're on foreign soil, so to speak, outside of the Gerar Mamlacha, and therefore Yitzchak might have more free reign to harm them. And so they're telling him now, you two should send us in peace, just as we sent you away in peace. Uh, the word Nega'anucha, calling back the royal edict not to harm Yitzchak and Rivka, Nogeya, Ba'isha Zeu Bishto Mot Yumat. And so therefore they're referring back to that same language, that the same way we didn't harm you at all, you should not harm us at all. It also could be that this is part of the oath. In other words, usually the oath will be if you do this, then you will be blessed, and if you do the other, then you will be cursed. And the text here is conflating the languages together in regards to what will happen. Uh, they say, don't do us any harm, and then you will be blessed, meaning that the other half of the treaty was, and if you do do us harm, then you will be cursed. And this is in addition to the idea of an actual brit, the same type of brit that there was with Abraham. And again, in Abraham, the idea of having Bale Brit is what was able to allow Abraham to be successful in his military endeavors against the, in, in the battle of the four and the five kings. And therefore, Tzchak uh, sees the value of having Bale Brit. And uh, being that Abraham had already made a treaty with Avimelech, uh, it seems to be that 
there was this uh, feeling that the Pelishtim felt at least that the treaty might be viewed as being violated and when they told him that he needs to leave and therefore they wanted to uh, re-establish their ties now that Yitzchak had moved on to Be'er Sheva. Uh, it seems to be, there was no indication of what Yitzchak's response is, but he made a party for them, a drinking party, a mishteh, and they also had food, and they drank, indicating a wine, and they rose in the morning, and they swore one to another, and we have this phrase of which seems to be much more of an uh, equal footing between Yitzchak and Avimelech and Fichol, as opposed to uh, the one language that we had by uh, Avraham, uh, which seems to be that they're a little bit more antagonistic, each clinging to their positions. This is, uh, they're not as friendly as they are here. Uh, this was the read of the Dat Mikra. means that indeed Yitzchak fulfilled their wishes in the treaty, in the language that they said, they, they had asked, you should do the same thing to us and send us Beshalom. So too, Yitzchak actually does this. Uh, but interestingly enough, we should pay attention to the little nuances here. Uh, we have something that uh, sounds very familiar. We have uh, people coming and asking for a treaty. There's a giving of food. There's swearing. There are rapid verbs here. Uh, it sounds like a great place for Yaakov to learn what the elements are of a pact, what, what are they comprised of. It reminds us of the beginning of the parasha in regards to Esav. So when he deals with Esav, recorded earlier, but seems to be taking place chronologically later than this episode, Yaakov learns from his Abba, from his father, about how to do this and how to go about it. And it was on that day, and the servants of Yitzchak came, and they told him about the well that they have dug, and they said, We found water. And he called it Shiva, apparently related to the Shiva that he took earlier that day. And that's why the city is called Be'er Sheva until this very day. A different ideological uh, explanation as to why the city got its name here is because of the Shiva, then we got Sheva as opposed to Sheva, meaning seven, uh, in the time of Abraham, because he had given Sheva Kevasot to Avimelech. Um, here, uh, there is a giving of food, uh, as opposed to other commentators who thought that there was nothing that was given over to Avimelech. Here, Yitzchak does give things over also to Avimelech, just as Avraham did. The naming of the city is very interesting in the sense that, as opposed to saying that Yitzchak is passive and just going about his business, redoing everything that his father did, uh, I think what we're getting the sense of is that, yes, it's true. Yitzchak is doing the same thing that Abraham did. It's Ma'asev Osiman Banim, And what Yitzchak is going to do is also going to have impact on his children. But all of that is building on what Abraham already did. It's not just reinventing the wheel. He is reinforcing the breed that Abraham has with Hashem. He's following in the footsteps of Abraham. He's, in a certain sense, emulating what it is that Abraham had set out as an example to him. And while he has the same naming of a city, the same exact city, with the same 
same exact people, possibly, right? We have a machloket whether or not it's the same fichol and avimelech. Uh, it could be the same people even. Uh, we're getting a different ideological explanation for the name of the city, which means that while it is that Yitzchak is forging his own identity, he's building on his, for his traditions, he's building on his roots, it's forging his own identity on top of shoulders of the greats that came before him, and he's not abandoning everything and starting afresh, but rather building anew over what it is that has already been done before him. And Esav was 40 years old when he took a wife named Yehudit, the daughter of Be'eri the Hittite, and Basmat, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. And these women were Morat Ruach. They were either uh, rebellious from the language of uh, Biyad Ramah, uh, some type of uh, defiance that they were listening to Yitzchak and Rivka. Uh, or Morat Ruach, meaning Mar, they were very bitter, it gave them a very bitter spirit in the home. Uh, Yitzhak and Rivka couldn't get along with them. Uh, these are the Hittite women. Again, if we look back in Penech Havdalet about how Abraham goes about trying to find a wife for Yitzhak and his assistance that it not be taken from the women of the land here, Esav, while he's trying to emulate Yitzhak and get married at 40, uh, he is marrying women who are from the women of the land, and they are going to be thorn, a sticking point in his relationship with his parents. Again, this is something that affects both Yitzchak and Rivka. This is not being presented from the viewpoint of Esau, but from the text, meaning that both Yitzchak and Rivka were indeed bitter about uh, or, or had a difficult time with the uh, daughters-in-law of Esau. And therefore, it's something to keep in mind as we move on to the next Perek. Perek Havzain is going to deal with the uh, brachot that Yitzchak wants to give to Esav, that at the end uh, Yaakov uh, goes through the uh, uh, masquerade and gets the brachot instead of Esav, and we'll see what the aftermath is uh, from that episode. Uh, just before we leave, we should just point out uh, the idea of wells and the structure of the perek. Uh, we dealt a lot with wells in this perek, and we, we have a lot more to say, but there's no time. But the uh, if we just take a quick look, we would have uh, identified, as did Michael Fishbane, that this perek, perek Havav, seems to interrupt the Jacob cycle. We started with Yaakov buying the birthright from Esav, and then we have this whole thing going back to Yitzchak, and now we're going to deal with perek Havzayin, which is very much Yaakov-focused in the sense of what is he doing in order to get the brachot from Yitzchak. Why is perek Havav uh, in here? But I think that perhaps we might be able to look back and realize that instead of thinking that Perek Havav is bothering our Jacob cycle, uh, really, uh, someone else's struggle is in our peanut butter, we, we really need to look back and say that Perek Havhei is in the way of our completing our Yitzchak cycle. Now, if we look back at Perek Havdalid, we're dealing with finding the wife for Yitzchak, and even though he's not mentioned throughout the episode, it's all focused around getting a wife for Yitzchak. Um, and I think the idea of wells is what connects those two prakim, Chavdalet and Chavav, together, uh, in the sense that we have Rivka being the master of the well, of drawing from the well, of Yitzchak being in Be'er Lachai Ro'i as the meeting point of the betrothals, of being able to have a, one of the type scenes that have been pointed out of the wells being a place of meeting the future wife. So Yitzchak is in Be'er Lachai Ro'i, and those wells are matched up with the wells that Yitzchak are, is digging in this perek, which are redigging of wells that in the time of Abraham. 
And so we have this idea of wells, the master well woman with the master well man. Uh, he is able to be able to be the husband of Rivka, and perhaps this parak is there to show is here to show us how really it's part of the Yitzchak stories uh, that we're dealing with, and that really Perak Hafei is the uh, part that we need to understand as being a closure for the Toldot Avraham. So again, the next parak will be dealing with uh, Berchot uh, Yitzchak and seeing how Yaakov and Esav deal with the episode.